Eerie Essex. I'm Bethan Briggs Miller. And I'm Ailsa Clark. Thank you for joining us on our journey into the stranger side of the county. We will be exploring the folklore, urban legends, and supernatural encounters that form part of its rich history. So welcome to our seventh episode and a new year for Erie Essex and for everybody else, I guess. Woo! We hope you all had a nice Christmas and enjoyed last night. Not too much, I hope. Yes, if you're listening to this on the first, we'll try and be quiet. <laughs> yes, which yeah, we'll be gentle. <laughs> nice, relaxing, soothing sounds. Made all the more nicer because Elsa and I had a rather nice present each from Santa Claus. In the form of some very posh microphones. It is really nice, like being able to hear Bethan properly and then Bethan being able to actually hear me properly. And we tested these out by sending each other voice messages and they're just so crystal clear and nice. So we hope that's coming through. In this episode, we're going to be looking at forests and woodlands, anything weird or strange, not just haunted. And it's Elsa's turn to go first. So I've travelled a bit south of Colchester where we are today. Um, and I'm looking at a place just outside of Basildon. So Langdon Hills Country Park is around 400 acres of scenic woodlands just outside of Basildon and only an hour away from London. The name Langdon comes from the word Long Hill, which is a Saxon word. The park encompasses a 385 foot crescent shaped hilly ridge, which extends from Dunton to Vange, giving panoramic views of the Thames estuary and across to London. The country park is split into two sections known as Wesley Heights and One Tree Hill. Since Neolithic times, people have visited Langdon Hills. The ancient woodlands are dating back to the prehistoric times and contain an abundance of native trees, including a carpet of bluebells. Despite its pretty description, there is one area of the park that has been known to cause people to burst into tears, have violent mood swings, and some have been overcome with desperate panic or even uncontrollable rage. And that's before we even get to the ghosts that supposedly haunt the site. It's a spot that's become a favourite with ghost hunting teams. One group, the Essex Ghost Hunters, have gone back numerous times and have some fascinating reports, which I found on the Mysterious Universe site. But first, I'm going to delve into the history of this site and its main attraction, the ruined remains of Vangewell No. 5, also known as Cash's Well. Back in the 18th and 19th centuries, The area had several water wells that aimed to tap into the rich reserves of mineral water beneath the land here. And one of these wells was first sunk in 1899 by a farmer called Mr. King, who found that although the water had a strange taste, when he gave it to his cattle, it seemed to reinvigorate them and make them noticeably healthier. When word got out about the mineral water having medicinal properties, the Dell boy of his time, Mr. Edwin Cash, became very interested in the area, purchasing land above the site of the original well on Mr. King's farm. And in 1902, he went about sinking his own well near the King farm in the hopes of tapping into the reserve of supposedly miraculous water. He then began bottling this water and selling it, even going so far as to obtaining an analysis on the water from Dr. John C. Thresh, consulting medical officer for Essex. The analysis of the water in comparison with Hopley Spa water was obtained and the findings of which were published in the medical professions magazine, The Lancet, in December 1922. The newspapers had previously reported on the medicinal value of mineral water as early as 1920 and a large number of people reportedly visited the wells at this time and the bottling plant was stated to be very busy. Cash also erected a large sign close to Five Bells advertising a magic well amongst the Vale of Health. He sold it under the name Farmer Cash's Famous Medicinal Vange Water. Sorry. Go on, go on, get a good giggle in. (laughs) Oh my God. I know, I know. (laughs) Vange Water. I know. And that word comes up over and over again, so... 
I know. I'm, I'm gonna, okay, I'll try not to giggle. Okay. Oh, no, go for it. Giggle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Carry on. And he changed the name to the Vange Water Company. Um, he sold the bottles for a modern equivalent of just under six pounds per bottle. Yeah, I know. He uh, this this guy really does love his money. And we'll get into that. <laughs> the supposed high sulfur content of the water was said to cure nervous disorders such as stomach problems, rheumatoid complaints, and lumbago. Just a side note: Edwin Cash called himself a farmer, though he never actually did any farming on the land unless you include water. He simply adopted the title as farmer to sell his water. When I called him the Dell Boy of his time earlier. Maybe a better comparison would be to Gwyneth Paltrow, because he was certainly very successful at peddling pseudoscientific rubbish that is more likely to give you the runs than curing your lumbago. And didn't Gwyneth Paltrow suggest uh, some things that women could do with their vange? <laughs> yes, she did. And she also uh, sold a candle that smelled like her vange. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I know. <laughs> oh, we get sidetracked with vange. Carry on. I know. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, however, further up the hill, disaster loomed for the self-styled farmer Cash. In 1927, a new sanatorium for children suffering with tuberculosis was opened. Around 40 children of mixed sex, up, the, up to the age of 16, were accommodated at any time, with intake mainly coming from the East End of London. Horrendous as children suffering with tuberculosis is, this is like the perfect storm for a horror movie setting. Um, as much as I love horror fiction, it does make me wonder why anyone has to invent improbable scenarios for hauntings, because look at what real life presents us with. Anyway, it wasn't long before the sanitarium was flooded and the runoff only had one place to go, downhill. Cash was forced to cease his operation around 1929 as it was said that the water from the wells was being contaminated as the sanatorium's drainage has crossed the well supply. His wells were left to the elements to collapse and rot away, disappearing altogether or becoming eerie ruins looming in feral woodlands. Cash himself passed away in 1931. Edwin Cash is one of the main spectres said to haunt the woods around the ruined remains of well number five. His spectre will apparently aggressively chase people or otherwise try and scare them off, and he especially does not seem to like anyone going near the well, probably because he wants to charge them admission. When investigating the location, the Essex ghost hunters uh, have said that they need to drop coins into the well, something that Mr. Cash has told them to do through seances and the mediums that accompany the team. So he is making a profit even beyond the grave. Other ghosts said to haunt the area include spirits of the children who died at the sanatorium. They will poke and prod people and even try and hold their hands, which is so incredibly sad when you think about oh, it. Really poor little is. kids. Mysterious orbs of light are also frequently seen around the structure of the old well and in the surrounding woods. Richard Old of Essex Ghost Hunters reported to Mysterious Universe and the Mirror newspaper that we've had people's noses going down that well after being pushed over. We've had a whole group pushed out the door. We've had people come here, do not believe us, and they've got their noses touching the floor. So people stand there saying, why are my hands moving? And they're trying to push it down, but they can't. And then all of their hands are over their heads in the air. On the other side, through the bushes, it's a bit sinister. You can see a lot of light anomalies there. He also said a lot of it is psychological but you'll get people who don't want to stand with their backs to the window of the well or by the door. And he says they've never had a dull night there. See, that just makes me want to go. Yeah, it but, does sound fun, doesn't it? But knowing this, would that sort of prep me to look for things that perhaps if I didn't know the woods were haunted, yeah. you wouldn't normally notice? I mean, I don't, I don't think I've done a description of the well. So it's, it's quite beautiful. It's, I mean, it's ruined, but it is beautiful. It was actually based on a pub that Mr. Cash owned at the time. And it was built in sort of a neoclassical way with a domed roof and columns. Um, so it's, it is something like out of another world in the middle of this wild, feral woodland. So there are other issues with going to the well, which um, I mentioned briefly earlier. Uh, it seems to be the personality changes and mood swings which cause the most worry for the ghost hunters. The people who have been affected by this phenomenon describe it as um, an experience more like an invasion of the mind by an outside force or an attempted possession. People reportedly break down crying for no reason. They've been overcome with desperate panic that sent them running off. 
And some have even had fits of anger and intense and unbridled rage. Many of these witnesses have explained that they felt they were not in control of their own minds. And others remember nothing of these incidents. That's so weird. Yeah. There's... um. Russell, again, has given a really good uh, account of something that happened when they brought one person there. Um, So he goes, we had this guy who was seven feet tall, stocky, broad. He was the nicest guy you'd ever spoken to, but we took him up to the top of the hill and he got so aggressive. The others were telling me that he wasn't right and he'd never spoken to anyone like that. He was cursing and throwing his arms around. They had to try and turn him around but he's, they'd said he wasn't under attack. He was just feeling like the push and pull of this energy around him. They had to talk to him and try and calm him back down. But he was in this blind rage. And then suddenly he came back and he said, I just wanted to kill everyone. Oh, my God. Yeah. Horrendous. It, it sounds a bit like, you know, in um, the Blair Witch Project, where they all start getting quite aggressive with each other because they're lost, but it seems more than that. It's it's very similar to that, that sort of weird emotional change. Well, it also, it makes me think of, I mean, I'm not saying that anyone there who has gone there has a mental illness, but it reminds me of some mental illnesses as well, which made me think about what could be the cause. So I looked into the geology of the area, which seems to mostly be, got it down here somewhere, it's London clay and Bagshot sand. But then I started thinking about the water. So the water was highly sulfonated, which it can give you digestive problems. So I started thinking about the the water and about the sulfates in the water. So sulfides are stable in low oxygen environments, whereas sulfates are stable in high oxygen environments. And then things get interesting when sulfides are exposed to high oxygen environments or when sulfates are moved into a low oxygen environment because they start changing into a more stable form in the new environment and they can end up in the water, which I guess is one of those reactions was happening there. But when you get hydrogen sulfide released into the atmosphere at 500 ppm or higher, people become unconscious rapidly and then appear to recover. Um, And they also suffer from uncoordination, memory and motor dysfunction, even personality changes, and hallucinations. So I'm not I'm not claiming that the area is poisoned, but could it be that the the wells that they drilled down into the area sort of oxygenated hydrogen sulfide into the air around that area? I'd explain a lot. One of the other explanations I came up with was methane. Um, because they had cows grazing on this hill for a long, long time. And what do cows produce? Methane. And obviously, you know, where you get cows, you get cow pats and rotting vegetation. So all of that could be releasing a lot of methane. But then you've got the idea of why they're more than anywhere else, because there's a lot of cows everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's more the hydrogen sulfide sounds quite plausible. Yeah. And then I was thinking about the people who fell down the well. And there is a French term called la apple du bide, which I've probably just completely butchered because I don't speak French. Deutsch. So it's the urge to jump from a high place or jump to somewhere that's, you know, it, it's like vertigo, basically. But it comes from a distortion of our perceptions. Um, and lab tests show that people estimate that disgusting things like feces are closer than they really are or they underestimate them. So if you're presented with a very dark pit into nowhere, you may feel like the abyss below is beckoning to you and you start falling down it. Oh, you hear that a lot with pits and um, different structures, natural structures across, well, across Britain, actually, that sort of need or the the draw of people to get closer to it and fall in. Mm. I mean, I, I have vertigo. I'm not very good with high places. Um, But my main problem with being on a high place is that I feel like the need to fall in because I can't, I feel like my legs want to give out and I want to go face first, basically. So when they were talking about people with their noses ending up on the floor, I was like, well, I would do that because I I wouldn't be able to stop myself. Oh, so you go to the floor to stay safe? Well, no, I'd go to the floor because my legs would just give out because I would be thinking, I'm going to fall anyway, over we go. (laughs) I wonder what, how you'd be affected if we went there. I'd probably fall over. I, I am really terrible with height, with things that are a long distance from my feet. That's just, I because it, it's not just heights. It's like 
when you're standing above a well like that, I did, I did this really stupid thing when the place I work, they redid their lobby. And I forgot when I was heading up to the second floor that they put these floor to ceiling glass windows in. And um, I turned the corner to go walk across to another office and these floor to ceiling glass windows suddenly appeared and I went arse over tit. <laughs> like, cause my whole body just went, it's a drop. You've fallen over. Go on then. Oh, bless you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, there's scientific explanations about why that happens, but it's really frustrating. But that's what I thought of when he was talking about people ending up their noses on the floor. Well, do you know what, actually thinking about it, I don't have vertigo, but I went at the CN Tower in Toronto, um, which is one of the highest buildings in the world. And they've got a glass floor and I went to walk on it and my legs felt like lead. And I kept going closer and closer to the glass and I could see everybody else was doing the same. It does that, that sort of fear draws you down. Yes, The Call of the Abyss. The Call of the Abyss. Oh, that's a good title for a film. Yeah. Copyright. I can imagine it. Nothing is it? <laughs> imagine it is a, like a 1940s film. Yes. And it would involve caving or potholing. Oh, no, I was thinking more like um, seafaring. Oh, maybe it could be a series rather than a film. <laughs> the Call of the Abyss. The Call of the Abyss. <laughs> the, crack, the Kraken cometh. <laughs> So I do have another tiny little story. I don't know whether we want to save that for after your one or for, or do we want to do it now? It might be just as well to save it for after mine because we might need something a bit lighter after mine. Yeah, I agree. From what you've told me. (laughs) I think we need to go into mine with quite a strong warning. Uh, I, I started looking at Epping Forest thinking, oh, there's some really unusual things there. I mean, on the paranormal database, there was a small little paragraph that said, told the tale I'm about to tell, but not in really much detail. And that they have a Bigfoot there. And there's this weird gravity hill, which I believe I talked about in the Rhodes episode. So it has quite a plethora of quite unusual things about it. And I thought, oh, this sounds a fun place to investigate. No, it wasn't fun. It is horrific. And Elsa, we are not going there, okay? Okay. Okay. (laughs) So the main topic I'm going to cover with Epping Forest is the killer pool or the suicide pool. So this story does touch on um, suicide, murder, infant side, and quite a lot of gory things. So if you're of a nervous disposition or just plain old don't want to hear it, I don't blame you. If you're feeling a bit ill after imbibing too much last night in on New Year's Eve, maybe leave this one for a little bit later when you've uh, sobered up a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's not nice. I had to stop researching it because I just got thoroughly depressed in the end. So there's a lot more to the story I'm about to tell, but um, you can go off and find it yourself. So Epping Forest has got a number of ghosts. There is a monk. There is um, a tall woman that appears around the trees. There's glowing lights. There's a lot of strange phenomena. Um, But a lot of the main activity centers around this pool. And it has a number of suicides and murders attached to it. And there's even a writer, um, Elliot O'Donnell, who spent a night at the pool and he watched a ghostly murder taking place and with the body finally being thrown into the pool. And I think he went into the forest, actually being a bit of a sceptic, and came out not a sceptic. Oh my God, that's horrific. So most of the activity and most of the stories start around 300 years ago. There was this young couple who were walking through the forest. After a while, they noticed they were being followed. And upon confronting the person, they discovered it was the girl's father who disagreed strongly with the relationship. Later on, blinded by rage, the father killed his daughter and dumped her body in a nearby pool. The next day, she was due to meet her lover at the ponds. But when only her ghost appeared, he realized what had happened and took his own life in the same pool. After this, the waters were said to transform into a dark, impenetrable black colour. Vegetation all around the edge and nearby areas started to die and animals started to avoid the spot. It became this sort of void in the middle of the forest. In the following years, a number of bodies started to appear around and in the pool. In 1887, both a woman killed herself at the pool and not much later, a young servant named Emma Morgan killed herself and her child at the pool. And then over the years, many, many people have very tragically taken their own lives there, or there has been quite a lot of murders in that place. So it has become known as quite a cursed spot. It is said that the pond calls people to it. It calls them to the edges and drives them to kill themselves or commit unspeakable acts. 
So it really is this, I mean, I've seen a picture of it and I'll put it up on Instagram. I wouldn't say it looks spooky. It actually looks quite beautiful, but there is um, definitely an air to it. Do you know what this reminds me of a little bit? What? It reminds me of the um, the Wallasey Island house. Yes. Where people yes. are being sort of drawn to it and then like made to either take their own lives or, you know, act, act strangely. Yes. I mean, a lot of the stories I started looking, I started researching newspaper articles going back about 100 years, started in about 1840 and then just kept reading and reading and reading. And there were so many, it nearly crashed my computer. I just typed in um, murder, ghost, Epping Forest, and it just kept coming up with things. And they, vast amount of them weren't straightforward. They all had a mystery about them. And most of the people involved the people who knew them, their families, their friends said, this is so out of character. I mean, people drove miles to this place. It seemed to have a draw from people from miles, people who didn't need to be in the village um, near to um, this side of Epping Forest um, would find themselves there. And it, it just got weirder the more I looked into it. In 1959, the Essex Countryside magazine requested information on its whereabouts and asked its readers, did anybody know where the pond was? Um, and in a subsequent edition of the journal, a correspondent said it could have been Wake Valley Pond, which might have had this reputation. However, they did have another letter sent to them where the correspondent said they knew exactly where the waters were, but they refused to divulge the location, insisting it was too wicked and dangerous a place to reveal. And so this is what her letter says. The suicide pool is deep in the heart of the forest, away from any road. Birds are never heard. Squirrels and deer shun its vicinity. No one fishes there, for there are no fish. It is dank, evil and malignant, with an atmosphere unpleasant beyond description. I doubt if the sunshine ever penetrates through the surrounding trees, and if it did, it would never lighten the black waters. Those who visited the pool, however sceptical they may have been about the supernatural, always come away running after a short time unless they end up dead in its waters, as many mysteriously do. So, yeah, I mean, then the person never actually revealed where this was. And I started looking, as I said, in newspaper archives, and I've picked out a few that are just a bit weird and never really saw any conclusion, just because there was too many factors that didn't point to anything. So in 1934... There was a murder that was later contested to be an accident, but they never really got around to deciding what it could have been. And it, it just was contested back and two over the years. So there was a man named Wilmot who was a 41-year-old sign writer living at Inman's Row, Woodford Green. He left home on May 22nd, telling his wife he would be home for tea, when Richard Harold Spooner later found his body in the woods and he described how he found the body. The body was lying face downwards with legs together and lying near was a two foot long folding rule. Lying about two feet away from the body, there was a holly stump. The stump was about 18 inches long with several protruding twigs and it was examined in court. It was assumed that he might actually have fallen from the tree and then hit the holly stump, which is how he came to be injured. However, a note was found upon him, which is really weird. And I'll read out the note now. Tell Powell and L sorry and regret mistake about suit. Did not realise the significance. And underneath was penciled, please ask Jeff Pardy to carry on in biz. Also at West Ham Park, money in pocket, please hand to wife. So it's an odd note, isn't it? To, that is so strange. To have left. And it was there was further things that made it weird. So there was a, a pit boy called William Watkins who s claims he saw Wilcott walking through um, the forest with a hatless woman all dressed in black and was arm in arm with him. He couldn't identify the woman and nobody seemed to know who she was. Wilcott's widow said that her husband had told her that someone was trying to frame him and will knock him down one day. The night before the tragedy, he told her he had seen a man following him. The case was concluded as suicide, but many contested it actually was murder. Oh, my God. And that's just one. And they're all like this. They're all very weird. I can, I can see you look really distressed by reading these. Like, Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I was going into a bit of a pit of <laughs> just awful oh, stories. Oh, no, 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 I'm fine. <laughs> but I just, the more and more I read, the more it was like, you know, it's, it's almost infectious. You could feel the despair of these people. And it, it was just so many. Yeah. 
There was one uh, newspaper report which started off really odd choice of words. Apparently, in 1887, there was great excitement because a body had been discovered. Oh, God. So that's how it started. There was great excitement in the village. I mean, I do know that they, they use sort of these words differently in previous times, like excitement doesn't necessarily mean joyful. Yeah, well, that, that's true. But when I read it, I was like, I actually wrote in my notes, bloody hell. <laughs> so the body of a young girl was found in a pool. She was 18 years old and it was quite suspicious. They never really got to the bottom of it. She was in the pool. There didn't seem to be any sign of a struggle, but her hat was found covered with mud eight or nine feet away from the pool. And the coroner actually found that she was pregnant at the time of death. And, and the father was suspected to have been a local married man. Oh. So that was sort of, it was never really reached a conclusion that I did look in further newspapers and they did, they just kept saying the same story over and over again. So again, this is another suicide. So this is the Epping Forest love tragedy is how it is um, told. And this was from 1900. I'll read out the newspaper report as it is, because um, it, it just explains the story well. A mysterious love tragedy was unfolded at the inquest on Augustus Motlew and Olga Schmidt, two foreigners who were found shot at High Beach in Epping Forest. A labourer saw them lying dead in a wheat field. The man's arms were crossed on his breast while the head of the woman was pillowed on his shoulder. A revolver picked up close at hand and the bullet wounds in the unhappy pair told of their tale. The doctor had little difficulty in deciding that Motlew murdered the woman and afterwards took his life. It is a weird tragedy for nothing has been disclosed to show the motive for their self-destruction. Letters had been sent to the police and the Danish council merely making the mystery more mysterious. The letter to the police read as such. Dear sir, we hereby inform you that we have killed ourselves and as we come from Denmark we ask you to send the enclosed letters to the Danish consul who will make the necessary steps for the disposition of our bodies. That was from August Motlu. On the back of the letter found on the woman was the strange statement, Epping Forest, August 4th, 3pm. I love him. Olga Schmidt. An even more incredible sentence was written on the reverse of another letter that said, what we want to do must be paid with life and what we don't want must also be paid with life. Holy crap. Yeah. So the Danish uh, consul was unable to elucidate the mystery. He did not know how these people had met or why they had went to Epping Forest to commit this act. However, he remembered that in May, the murdered woman had called the consulate and wanted money to go back to Denmark. She told him that she had come to England with Motlow and his wife to assist him in running a lamp patent, but they had not succeeded. The consul advanced her money for a passage to Copenhagen, and that was all he knew of her, so it doesn't seem that that was the reason. The jury in the end found that Motlow had murdered the woman and afterwards completed suicide. So, yeah, it was, it was all wrapped up, but it's just very odd, that one. And I won't go to any of the others. I mean, they're all just as weird, to be honest. Um, there never seemed to be any concrete proof as to what happened in the tales. And this area of Epping Forest, where the pools are supposed to have been, I mean, they, they've seen a lot of tragedy over the years. The Cray twins favoured this spot to bury their victims. Christ. <laughs> yeah, so ugh, not nice at all. And let me just get to this bit here. Yeah, Dick Turpin used uh, a cave as a hideout and it, his presence has been detected there by um mediums when he's quite he was quite a violent highwayman as well wasn't he he was yes so i think he hid more than just loot in the cave and the same cave was actually used by the cray twins as well and in the 1960s there were more than a dozen murder victims actually found in the woods and a very famous um tragic case uh, have you heard of the babes in the wood murders i'm i'm wondering if i have i'm wondering whether i'm thinking about the play Oh, it might be. Um, these were the murders of two children, which occurred in, in a copse in Sewardstone, Essex. The victims, Susan Muriel Blatchford and Gary John Hanlon, were lured from an unknown location close to their North London homes and were taken to a copse in the outskirts of Vepping Forest, where they were assaulted and murdered. And their bodies were found 78 days later. Oh, So this whole horrible. area is just this sort of magnet for really awful things. I mean, it's it's not just that long ago either that out of respect for the families, I won't go into some of the later cases um, because they're, they're still quite recent, but because of this high number of death and suicides in the area, there is actually a um, 
petition online started by one of the families who want the area cordoned off and CCTV so they can try and stop people before they get to this place. Um, so the actual petition online talks about the sinister reputation of the place, how many weird things that are said to occur with the pond now and again, and the ghostly rehearsal of the original death that happened. And people have seen it being replayed again and again and again. And people have even seen Emma Morgan, the beautiful young servant who was last seen alive, walking through the woodland with her baby in her arms. People have seen her um, oh, gosh. go through. And it's a little bit like the Japanese suicide forest, isn't it? That is actually what I was looking at while you were talking about yours, because there is, as I was going to point out now, there are actually a number of forests that have this same weird set of events happen. So there is the Okikahara forest. I have looked up how to pronounce it, but I still feel that I'm actually pronouncing it wrong. Um, so these are forests that have actually since the 1960s in Japan become um, associated with suicide and people actually trekking miles and miles and miles to the spot with that end in mind. And there's also another forest in Romania. This is actually known as the Romanian Bermuda Triangle. And this is the, the Hoya Baku forest. It's said to be one of the most haunted places in the world. And again, very similar. It draws people in, which actually sounds a lot like your forest, Elsa, with that people being drawn into to it and acting strange. Because a lot of the newspaper articles I read, most of the people were acting very out of sorts. Maybe it is something to do with the, um, I mean, forests, obviously, they have an abundance of rotting vegetation. Maybe there is something about the sort of gases released by that. Possibly, it can, I mean, there is something, I think Ashley talked about it on the Christmas episode, where there is something about a forest. Like when you, in summer, in daylight, it all seemed fine. And then when winter was coming in, it was getting darker and darker. There was something that made you want to not walk through the dark, mm. um, empty forest like that. Well, there's very little wilderness left in Britain. And I think these spots, it, it's the true, true wild, isn't it? And there's mm. not many spots like that. And I think when you do walk through an old place like that, it is like you're in another world almost. Yeah, which is a nice thing sometimes. I like going on I walks. like it. I always look out for a, a, a copse or a woodland when I'm, when I'm out walking to have a little wander through um, because it does feel like it's taking you out of your environment. Yeah, exactly. But obviously some of these people went in possibly looking to be taken out of their own environment for other reasons. Yes. But um, I'm, I'm that, as I said, that petition is online trying to get the area cordoned off with the CCTV. And so ju just to give you an example of the numbers, because it's, it's hard to get your head around, but the Office for National Statistics show that between the years 2018 and 2020, so this is pre-pandemic, 26 people were registered as having taken their life in that wood. So that's just two years out of how many years since the original murder. So you can get an idea of the numbers there. And I mean, there's, as I said, there's other entities and spectres that haunt the wood. There is one of them. Once the monks of Waltham Abbey were commonplace in the woods and now only the odd hooded ghost is seen walking between the trees. There's a story dating back to the 1600s. I think this is actually the same story as um, the first one where the girl was murdered, but the young couple were actually met up secretly to get married, and that's when he found them. So there's a bit of a variation on that tale. And there's the, a weird doppelganger incident where um, twice a woman in white has appeared and witnesses have mistaken her for the figure of, of Mrs. Punter, who was the owner of a nearby house, but she was alive at the time, but she looked exactly like her. Maybe she was a witch. Well, who knows? <laughs> and there's also there's supposed to be Boudicca's grave there. I know oh, really? there's, there's several places that are uh, attributed to that, like her final battle, but this place is probably one of the most popular, um, claimed by some to be her grave and others her final battlefield. So she is reported to be haunting the area as well. And yeah, I think that's enough for Epping Forest at the moment because oh, it is goodness. utterly depressing, but exceptionally weird. I it mean, is something I, I, going on there. I knew there were some weird incidents I knew about Dick Turpin I'd heard about the Bigfoot but I hadn't really known any anything about it other than maybe one had been sighted but I didn't know about all the death like that is horrendous for one small spot I mean yes it's a, it's a massive forest but mm. to to be centering around this one pool 
is very odd. Yes. Yeah. It. I mean, it's water again, isn't it? I wonder whether it's um, like my one, whether it's sol- it's got highly sulfate. I think so. I think that that, that does make sense. But, I mean, some of the cases, though, people travelled miles to get there. Yeah. There was a doctor who um, travelled to a nearby village to see a patient and ended up in the woods half an hour later, having taken his own life. Oh my goodness. And no one knew why. It was very out of character. He hadn't been depressed. You know, I know a lot of people don't usually have to portray depression mm. before these things, but the, the sheer number of people who said that the victims or the, the, the bodies discovered, they shouldn't have been there. Why were they there? They, they, they lived ages away. Yeah. It's just very odd. And yeah, I'd like to finish with Epping Forest okay. there because it's, I, do, it's- I do, I do have one little note to talk about. You were talking about um, the possibility of uh, Bonacy or Boudicca's grave being there. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that terrible uh, show in the early 2000s called Bone Kickers? Oh, that sounds familiar. It was so, it was so bad. And I used to study archaeology and a lot of people I, I knew who were in archaeology at the time were like, this is the worst. They are so, like, they're going, what's your boundaries? Like every time they're in a, in a, um, uh, a trench. But there was one about Boudicca's grave on that one. And when you said that, it just made me think of it because it was actually in the show, it was like the Boudicca's grave was actually in Bath. And it was like this place where I actually used to go and have my lunch when I was at university um, down by the weir. And um, yeah, it just it just reminded me of that terrible, terrible show. And I thought I'd just bring that up to lighten the mood a bit. Yes. Thank you for that. Yes. I'll, I'm going to look that up actually because it sounds awfully familiar. I do like watching old I stuff mean, it, like that. I mean, it was terrible, but it was good fun. Like, you know, it's it's worth a watch just for some sort of cheesy comedy, but <laughs> I don't think it was meant to be a comedy. Do you want to share your little story now? Okay. This I've, got a few, I've got a few extra little stories as well. So. This isn't quite as horrifying as Epping Forest. So not too far from Malden is the imaginatively named Munden. Malden means Monument Hill in Anglo-Saxon, and Munden takes its name similarly. similarly I can never say similarly, and translates into Munda's Hill. I don't know who Munda was, but they have a hill. The Munden Firs is the last surviving ancient woodland on the Dengue Peninsula. However, one small part of the firs, a copse of trees containing mostly oaks, seems to have turned to stone. The firs itself is around 900 years old and was thought to have been planted in order to aid in the nearby shipbuilding industry in Malden. Local legend says that we can blame witches for turning the oaks to stone. During my search, I did pick up rumours of witches being hanged there, ghostly faces in the trees, um, but all of these were one-line sentences from various sources with no greater detail behind them. So if you know any more, Email us, tweet us, or DM us on Instagram. We'd love to learn the folklore behind them. There was always these little teasers of something that was going to be like amazing, but then nothing more came of it. But these, I think, yeah, I've seen that. Someone I follow on Instagram, it might be someone called Time Wanderer Chris, went there recently and took a picture. And yeah, I think they went there thinking, oh, I'm going to discover some really good stories, but there was not a lot to go on. Just, but it, they were amazing. I've seen the pictures, they're quite something to behold. That there's um, a lot of the stories I read were somebody uh, they bumped into a local as they were passing, and the local was like, "Oh yeah, apparently witches turned these to stone, or you know, a witch was hung here, or and they all had like little teasers of a story. It seems like you need to talk to somebody in the local vicinity who knows more about it. If anyone in the local facility is listening, please get in touch. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. I mean, as well as um the podcast me and Elsa are also collecting stories as part of the folklore archive um, with the folklore podcast which is then going to be shared with the British Library so it's so important that these stories are captured before they're lost exactly um these stunning gnarled twisted trees attract photographers from all over however they are not actually petrified just extremely dead (laughs) (laughs) it I mean petrified would be turned to stone they're just very 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 dead trees and it's just sorry extremely dead it's so dead so these uh it's thought that about two to three hundred years ago a breach in the seawall let the all the seawater in and basically salted the land killing the trees in this area i mean it's a wonderful spot i really want to go there there's a beautiful church there as well which is extremely old and looks very fascinating 
um, and I think does have some more stories behind it. Um, and Can I know I sense a road trip. I really want to do this road trip. Yes, um, and I have. I've, I know that ghost hunters have gone to the area as well. And there was one where somebody picked up a. I think they were using a spirit box, and they got they caught the name possibly Ellen Smith, which then they somebody else traced back to a witch hung nearby Malden. Oh, so maybe there is something there. Who knows? But um, it's it's just one of these places that is. It's so it's so beautiful and it's so strange and out of this world. And then there's just little tiny teasers of something there, but no one's recorded it properly yet. Oh, challenge accepted. Um, I've used the spirit box a couple of times on like different apps so you get on the phone. I don't like using them because every single time I try it, it says the same thing. Behind you. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit freaked out by it. <laughs> Yeah. So I've got a, another couple of stories to share. I went on the paranormal database because I love the paranormal database. It is a very brilliant resource. I usually mm. go there and I start my investigation there. I fi- I'll find something and then see whether it has more to it. Yeah, that's what I do too. So there's um, a wood um, between Leon C and Hadley. And this is a bit of a time slip one. I do like time slips. So I'll read out what it says on the database. So while walking a familiar path, a brother and sister spotted a strange Georgian house that they'd never seen before. A girl and a dog walked down the driveway and passed the siblings. Neither brother nor sister were later able to locate the house, even on old maps. M.H. Coleman, writing in the Journal of Society for Psychical Research, offered compelling evidence that the house is real and the witnesses were mistaken in their belief that what they were seeing were ghostly. So possible time slip or not, I don't know. I like it. I've got one going back to Bellchamps. Oh. Uh, yeah, for our listener story. Um, so in Hawkwell near Hockley, in, uh, there's near Bellchamps, there's a camping area. And in the early 2000s, there was reported um, a glowing entity that floated through the wooded area and would vanish if you tried to follow it. Wow. So I do like a good floating light. Hawk, Hawkwell near, near Hockley. So try and say that seven times fast. Uh, Hockwell and Hockley, Hockwell and Hockley. No, it can't be done. <laughs> so back in Hockley, in some woods, this is the summer of 1973. Again, the 70s. Of course it would be the 70s. All that LSD. <laughs> a person called the police after hearing a loud crash and screams for help in the woods, which they thought might have been an aircraft crash. On investigation, nothing could be found. And then have you heard of the screeching woods or the screaming woods? It's not the Screaming Boy Woods or... Yeah, Screeching Ah, Boys Wood. Yeah. So this is in um, North Benfleet. So it's the north side of the A13 near Fountain Hall. So from 1734 onwards, again, I'll just read it as it is in the um, database. The wood takes its name from the headless plowboy who was murdered by his master. The ghost was occasionally seen and heard around the location, although some say the phantom screams stopped after the farmer confessed to the crime years after the event. Another version of the story states the ploughboy was not murdered at all, but rather knocked down by a horse-drawn carriage. Oh. Um, in Chrysal, one mile away, f- or oh, one mile away from Chrysal, there's a yew tree marking a mass grave. Uh, the yew tree marks the site of a mass grave of plague victims that were killed when the town hall was set ablaze. Ghosts of those buried are said to dance around the tree as a warning that the grave must never be disturbed. And this is, oh, this is freaky. And this is nearby. So in Colchester in Greenstead Woods, this was in 1983, a witness stated that when she was a child with a friend in the woods, they had both seen a tall man with a wide brimmed hat, but he didn't have any facial features. Even when they ran away, the entity stayed with them for a while. Oh, it's the hat man. The hat man. Yeah. Oh, no, in Colchester. I know the hat man's been to Colchester. No. <laughs> anybody who doesn't know what the hat man is, it's a very popular, I wouldn't say popular, very... It's a creepy pasta, isn't it? But It's, it's a um, creepy pasta, but it's it's been going for years, isn't it? Yeah. Like before the internet, people were stated as seeing this hat man. And it's just this shadowy figure of a white a man with a wide-brimmed hat and is talked about on several podcasts. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's thought to be demonic, isn't it? Mm. Well, there's, there's, there's several entities like that, isn't there? I mean, there's that. Um, I get so scared of saying it. And I don't say it on, on air because even the name apparently can bring about stuff. But do you know the um, Ouija board demon? 
Yes, I know which don't one you're say the name. About. Yeah, if you want to, if you if you're curious, you can Google the Ouija board demon on your own time. But yeah, that's. Quite I was going to whisper it into. Don't the you dare! <laughs> you would freak out. It's just, I yeah. I, why tempt fate? I'm not wearing my St. Benedict medal, so no. Oh, my, mine's um in the uh, other room as well. <laughs> yeah, me and Elsa have got St. Benedict medals, and we gave one to Ashley. Actually, didn't we? Yeah. Actually, actually, that's a powerful um for the Christmas. That sounds episode. like a Disney cha- channel. Actually, actually. It does. <laughs> um, ne- maybe next time we can both put our St. Benedict's on and say the name. Yeah, okay. We'll do that. Oh, sorry. Side note. You know, there's um, in, oh God, where is it? There's a museum of haunted toys and objects in Britain. Is there? Yeah. In I, I mean, I knew, I know there's ones in America, but I didn't know there was one in Britain. There's one in Britain. Um, a friend of ours actually went and there's pictures on there. Um, website. I'll put um, a link to it and some pictures on our Instagram. What? But they decided to do live streams of summoning demons. <laughs> yeah, you can watch them on YouTube. And they want people to tell them what they experience. No, thanks. <laughs> you can I mean, carry on with that by yourselves. I mean, I'll probably watch, but I'm a skeptic. So, um... <laughs> okay, you watch and you tell me if you see anything. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm not, I, Best... I think that's just asking for trouble. If I come back with glowing red eyes, Beth, and can we still do the podcast? Yeah. yeah let's have a third person, a third co-host. Oh, I thought that was Casper, though. He has gone to sleep now. Yeah, he's not pulling his weight at all. No. He's I have fired. One last, I have one last one. Okay. Do I? Oh, no, I have a couple. Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll blast through them. Sorry, I have. I found so many. So this is Colchester again. Um, this is Friday Woods this time. Um, a phantom grey man is said to leave a nearby church and enter the woodland. He's seen on the same path all the time. And in Hockley Woods, again, it's actually a, a, a local nature reserve and actually parts of it are a site of science. Oh, God. A site of special scientific interest. <laughs> that was a mouthful. And it's owned and managed by the Rochford District Council. And the woods are said to be haunted by two ghosts. Silas was said to be a friendly ghost while the other entity was accompanied with a feeling of cold which would upset animals and people walking their dogs um the ghost was said to have been so friendly that the family dog would run up to it wagging its tail and another one it would shy away from um another tale states that the ghost of Amberlynn, crumbs that ghost gets around has been seen walking without her head through the corridors of the house Amberlynn, i know i know she gets well traveled ghost well we all know why henry the eighth decided to ditch her didn't we Ugh. I mean, That's he was—he was a git, but also there was a lot of there was a lot a lot of she got around. <laughs> apparently, she still, does. she still does. Apparently, <laughs> no, that is mean because you know Anne Boleyn was a victim, and Henry VIII is a absolute douchebag. I've re- I'm re- reading recently actually that um, they think that when he actually visited the Boleyns' house, he went on a, a hunt and fell off his horse and suffered brain damage. Yes, I and have his heard personality. That really radically changed mm. afterward yeah i had heard that yeah. there's an interesting one mm, it would perhaps make sense for his rash behavior yeah anyway that's my woods there i've you just remind me of something we haven't covered in this episode but um maybe we should give a quick shout out because it almost won um i can't remember was it did it almost almost win tree of the year or did it win tree of the year it did it did old old knobbly in Mistley. Um, so Old Nobly is uh, more than 13 feet tall. It was struck by lightning three times um, and it's 36 feet wide, but it was said to be a sanctuary for witches hiding from uh, Matthew Hopkins, who actually lived in Mistley. So they were right under his nose. Yeah, I found a couple of um, like single trees. Yeah. Not forests, and I wondered whether to include them, but actually there was so many that I might actually. I think we could exactly. I thought another I, episode. I thought we just have to give it a shout out. If we're going anywhere near a forest, we have to give a shout out to Old Nobly. Which is the one on top of Culture to Castle? It doesn't really have a name. That's won an award too. I think it was also nominated for Tree of the Year. It was nominated. That one was yeah. nominated. Yeah. Oh, Essex in its trees. <laughs> uh, yes, County so... of Tree Huggers. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I need to go and watch a comedy now. Yes. I've spent far too long researching Epping Forest and I need that was um, That lightness. was brutal. Oh, I didn't even include half of them. 
because they were just too bad. I just didn't want to. Not yeah. ruin anyone's day with them. I mean, if you're going to go off and research Epping Forest now after hearing this, just take some breaks, you know, watch some comedies in between, be mindful, don't look too deeply into the dark. No, literally and metaphorically. Yeah, I'm going to leave that alone for a while. <laughs> Mind you, actually, I'm giving a talk in a couple of weeks on death and the landscape. So, yeah, I definitely need to watch some comedies in between. Yes, you do that. <laughs> all right, well, thank you for joining us. And I hope you all have a lovely, quiet, peaceful rest of the day. And indeed, an amazing 2022. I think we all deserve it now. We really do. We really need a really good 2022. So if you're listening to this, just do whatever you can to make that happen. Yeah, maybe. I think little, little things. <laughs> if there's ever going to be a year where you don't have a resolution, it's this year. Just, just promise yourself you're going to be kind to yourself. Yes. There you go. That's our hint for a resolution. Be kind to yourself. And other people. Well, yeah. That goes without <laughs> saying. <laughs> okay, so it's goodbye from Elsa. And it's goodbye from Bethan. Bye. Bye. Like to share a story or have more information on this episode's topics, you can contact us via email at eerieessexpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter under Eerie Essex for more content from the episodes and sneak peeks of future topics. If you've enjoyed listening, why not consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts?